everyone say faith. Faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because first, one must believe. Amen. How many believers do we have in the house tonight? You've got to first believe. And not only that, you must believe that he is. He is God. He is God. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the Lord is in the blessing business and God is doing marvelous things all around us and we are living in an amazing hour. We're living in times that I would dare to say the world have never seen before. We are living in the end times. Every time I get an opportunity to go to a pulpit and address a crowd of people like yourselves, I'm always feeling compelled to let people know, remind them over and over and over, these are the end times. This is not a time to procrastinate. This is not a time to put God on hold. It's a time of decision. It's a time of salvation. Not partly saved or almost saved, but to give God all of your heart and all of your mind. One young person come to me one time and said, Brother Easter, man, it's hard, man. I'm trying and it, it's hard living for God. And I looked at him and I said, you know something? If you live for God, easy. It's hard. But if you live for God hard, it's easy. Amen. And God wants us to give him everything. Give him our future. Give him our dreams. Give him our thoughts. He wants us to sell out and give him everything. And brothers and sisters, if you would dare to do that, oh my, the things he has in store for you, the things he had, the places he will take us, it's incredible. So I, I'm on a journey myself, and I love it. I'm excited. Amen. It really is a trip. <laughs> Hallelujah. And every day, every day, we're drawing nearer and nearer and nearer to the coming of the Lord. And I'm getting more and more excited. And the Bible tells us that the devil knows his time is short. And he's out in the world with a vengeance. And I believe that the devil himself is having his own end-time revival. And he's intent in taking as many people to hell as he can. But tonight we're going to put the devil on notice that there's a church in Newark, Ohio that's got his mind made up. Devil, you ain't taking my children. You're not taking my future. You're not taking the saints of God. We're going to stand. We're going to fight the good fight. And we will win. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Tonight, if you get your Bibles, I want to direct you to two places in the Scripture. In the New Testament, first the book of Matthew, the gospel according to St. Matthew, and then we're going to go to the book of Philippians. Amen. So good to see Sister Strosan. Oh, my goodness. Now I really feel at home. So good to have you to be in your presence. Pastor, thank you for your hospitality. We've had some fun the last couple of days. We've had a blast. Amen. To the gospel according to St. Matthew in the 24th chapter. 24th chapter of Matthew is well known as the chapter that's describing the times we're living in. Matthew chapter 24, very prophetic scripture and then Jesus is talking about the end times beginning in verse number 10 Jesus said and then shall many everyone say many, many. 
then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another Lord you mean even in the church yes even in the church and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax or grow cold but he that endure unto the end the same shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and that my friend has already been done and is still in process and then he said shall the end come Verse 10 again. And then shall many be offended. Now let's skip over to the book of Philippians in chapter 1. Paul's writing to the church of Philippians. Chapter 1. And let's, let's begin at, uh, let's see, verse number 9. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Oh, this is really good. The Apostle Paul said, and this I pray. This is Paul's prayer for all of us tonight. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That your love may abound and that you may be without offense. And he said, many shall be offended. And I was praying today and I just felt this so strong in my spirit. God is wanting to let the church know to be on guard and to be and my title is without offense without offense so before you seat it I'm going to ask you to do something for me I'm going to need 100% participation I want you to turn around to someone next to you or behind you or beside you or in front of you and I want you to look at them and with a sincere face I want you to say this, I love you. Would you do that? Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I love you. I love you. Come on now, nah, nah, nah. look right in their face and say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says this is how they will know we are his disciples and that we have love one toward another. Let's pray together right now, Lord. God, we are gathered here in your house again, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. We come to the master's table. We come hungry. We come seeking a word from you, Lord. Challenge us and change us. But most of all, save us. In this incredible dark hour, we thank you, Lord, for your perfect will to be done tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And let the church say amen. amen. Praise God. God bless you without offense. Now, brothers and sisters, recognizing that we are living in such a crucial hour. It behooves us to take this matter very seriously. We are living in the midst of the most darkest time in the history of mankind. The Bible tells us it's going to be dark, not only, amen, in the condition of the world, but spiritually. We are facing a darkness like the world has never seen. 
Jesus told us in this dark hour we should not fall asleep. But he is calling upon every born again believer to be awake and aware Jesus is coming. His coming is so close. In fact, the scripture teaches us it's closer than we think. We can't afford to play games. We can't afford to play church. We can't afford to keep putting off all the things that God is instructing us to do. If you believe these are the end times the way I believe, then this is the time. If you're ever going to pray, now is the time. If you're ever going to be a soul winner, now is the time. If you're ever going to take God seriously, now is the time. And let me say this. If you have any intentions of making it in the rapture, now is the time to get ready. Oh, I'm telling you, it's closer than we think. And all the things that are happening around the world is testifying Jesus is coming. And so the Apostle Paul, amen, wrote to the church of Philippians his prayer for us even tonight. The Apostle Paul said this, I pray, I pray. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Paul said, this is my prayer for this church right here. That your love may abound yet more and more. Now notice his words. He didn't just say, I'm praying that your love will abound. But he's saying, I'm praying that your love will abound more and more and more. That means every time we get together, we ought to be loving one another more and more and more. We ought to get to the place where we see each other walking into the sanctuary. We ought to be so happy and excited that we're here together more and more and more. Hallelujah. That's not a recommendation, folks. That's a commandment. That your love, everyone say love. That your love may abound. Why? Because the Bible says that in the end time, the love of many shall wax cold. Imagine the closer people come to the Lord, the colder they are. In fact, I used to wonder, why would the writer in the scripture says, as you see the day approaching, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Right. I used to wonder, why, why would he even say that? As you see the day approaching, wouldn't you want to be in church more? Yeah. As you see the signs of the times and all the things going around in our world, wouldn't that be a signal that'll make you want to be in church every single time the doors are open? Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. People are missing church more now. People are praying less more now. People are reading their Bibles less than ever now. As you see the day approaching. And it's a concern to Apostle Paul. It's a concern to your pastor. It's a concern to me. We need to love one another more than we loved before. And then on top of that, love even more. And he says love in knowledge and in all judgment. You know, one reason why people don't respond to God the way God designed them to respond is because some of them don't know any better. How come they don't know any better? They don't read their Bibles. I mean, honestly, we have more people that know more about politics than they do about the Word of God. Can I preach that a little bit? All right. <laughs> Amen. And we got people... In this hour we're living in that are so sensitive and not to the spirit, but they're sensitive in their flesh. Their emotions are on their shoulders. Some folks come in, you don't know whether to say hi or bye. Because you say hi to them, they grumble and look at you funny. If you don't speak, they get mad because you didn't speak to them. But we're living in a day now where we got more and more people that are, are, are being governed more by the flesh and walking in the flesh more than they are in the spirit. And what, what's the cure for that? Knowledge. Amen. Studying the word of God. We need to be students of the word of God. Paul said that we may approve things that are excellent and that we may be sincere and without offense. Till the day of Christ. 
Oh, man. I'm going to get into this a little bit deeper. Matthew 24, verse number 10. Jesus prophesied of the hour we live in. I just read it in your hearing. The Lord said, and then shall many. Everyone say many. Not just a few, but many, many, many. The great majority of saints shall be offended. They shall betray one another. They shall hate one another. Say, well, I don't hate him. I just don't speak to him. <laughs> well, in God's eyes, you might as well hate him. I mean, there are people that you've been, you've been coming to church for 16 years, and there are some folks you just avoid. And that's not right. Amen. There are some folks you never shake hands with, folks you never get around, because they get on your nerves. Listen, everybody gets on somebody's nerves. Amen. All of us, all of us are messed up. I'm messed up, you messed up. There are going to be some things I do that you don't like, and there are certainly some things you do I don't like. But we are all in this together. We've got to stay together. We've got to pray together. He's going to lift us up together. I need you, and you need me. Amen. We're in this battle together. Amen. There shouldn't be no schisms in the body. There should be no divisions in the body. There should be no cliques in the body. Amen. Oh, I'm going to be doing some preaching here tonight. Jesus said there's going to be many that's going to be offended. And he said many false prophets shall arise in the end times and shall deceive many. There's two major spirits that's being unleashed upon the world. Two major spirits. One is the spirit of offense, and the other one is the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception is so wide, it's so out there, you don't know who to trust. You don't know who to believe. You can't tell who's telling the truth. The White House is full of deception. The news media is full of deception. You, you, the medical, medical field full of deceptions. And now we like, who, who do you believe? Who do you believe? Should I wear a mask or not wear a mask? Should I take a vaccine or not take a vaccine? What does social media say? That's the worst place to go to get your information. Amen. You talk about deception. Oh my goodness, it is full of deception. And you know the problem is, so many believers are caught up in social media. Yes. Amen. Facebook, Instagram, technology. Listen, a lot of these things are good, but they can be bad. And folks get all wrapped up in that stuff, man, and people get wrapped up in technology. And, and, and speaking of technology, I, let me just share my heart with y'all tonight. Can I just, I'm just going to be real with you tonight because I may not get another chance to preach. I mean, I, I preach every sermon like it could be my last and I don't got time to be, uh, you know, trying to make friends and be popular. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. We are in warfare. We are in warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And the devil is not playing games. So we need to be armored, fully armored with the helmet of salvation. We need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. We really need our loins girt with truth. We need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We need to have the sword of the spirit and above all the shield of faith. Because if we don't have it, we won't make it. Deception, the spirit of deception is a lying spirit that's telling you, you okay. You all right. Don't worry about what that preacher say. You good. You know you all right. That thing is just, that's a lying spirit. Every now and then we need to get in front of a spiritual mirror and look at ourselves. And say, Lord, show me what I'm not doing right and show me what I need to do. Amen. And let God guide you. We're in that place right now. We need to get serious about our salvation. That spirit of deception is moving so powerfully throughout the world and throughout the church. And one of the things that the devil has done, and, and I've noticed this over, over the last few years, even before the pandemic hit, I was concerned about it. And I noticed that in, in some churches, and I went to another church, and I noticed it in that church, and then I began to notice all over the fellowship, it concerned me. Now, it's even worse. 
And that is people coming to church unarmed, without their weapon, without their sword. Amen? Can I tell you, heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will never pass away. Hallelujah. We're living in a day now where the devil has convinced some people you don't need the Bible anymore. You don't need to go to church and have a word in your hand anymore. I was in a service one time and I asked for the lift. I said, everybody here got your Bible? Would you stand? Holly, anybody stood up? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then one guy stood up with a, with a phone. I got my Bible. That's not a Bible. That's a phone. I got my iPad. That's not a Bible. It's a phone. Well, Brother Easter doesn't make a difference. I say so. The difference between a phone and an iPad and the Bible is that a Bible might be on your phone, but there are a thousand other things on that phone. But when you got the Bible, Lord have mercy, when you got the Bible in your hands, hallelujah, you have the word of God. And the truth be told, most people that do have Bibles on their phone, they follow the, the man of God. He gives them the scriptures. They get on their phone, they, on their iPad, their computer, and they pull up the scriptures, and it's on their phone, and they feel so good. Look, here, I got it on my phone. They're following the preacher, and 10 minutes later, they're checking their emails. And while the preacher preaching, they're texting their friends. Distraction. Amen. And I'm starting to think, I said, wait a minute, what is this? What's going on? How is it Holy Ghost filled children of God can go to the battle without their sword and get conditioned to feel it's okay? Scripture's on the screen. Scripture's on the screen. One of these days, that their battery going to die. <laughs> Amen. But one of the main concerns I have about this whole thing is this. You need to have a relationship with your Bible. You need to have a relationship with your Bible. The Word of God. I, I remember the good old days. Everybody say the good old days. The good old days. You never saw nobody come to church without a Bible. I mean, they come in, they had Bibles under their arm, Bibles in their purse, Bibles in their car. They had Bibles in the living room, Bibles in the bathroom. Everywhere they looked, they had Bibles. Bibles on the job. And then some, some people came to church with the family Bible. I mean, a big old Bible walking in. Glory <laughs> to God, but they were armed and dangerous. Now, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How you treat the word is representative of how you treat God. You come to church without the word, you might well come to church without God. Have I offended anybody yet? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it's warfare. This is warfare. This is warfare. This is not a time to get relaxed in church. It's not a time to get comfortable in church. You need to have that word in your hand opened up and you ought to say, Lord, speak to me. And sometimes those of you that know what I'm talking about, that preacher can be preaching from the word of God. You got that Bible in your hand and something begins to happen. The word comes alive and it jumps off the pages, gets in your heart and the the Holy Ghost get that talking to you. Oh, hallelujah. There is no substitute for the word of God. So what's, what's happening? This is what I see. The devil knows what time it is. And if he can get you separated from the Bible, then what happens? You become more emotional than you are spiritual. And everything returns to emotions, emotions. How you feel becomes more important than what the Holy Ghost is doing. And so people begin to judge the success of a service based on how good it was, how they felt. Amen. Did you have a good service today? Yeah, it was all right. I didn't feel nothing. 
Or on the other hand, boy, they bouncing and jumping and jumping around. Man, we had a great time. We had a Holy Ghost move. What did the pastor say? I don't know, but we had a good time. <laughs> Emotions, feelings. And we start moving and responding to God based on how we feel. And we always want to feel good. Oh, preacher, don't preach no sermon going to make me feel bad. I don't like that. Well, sometimes the Holy Ghost cuts like a knife. Sometimes it cuts going in and cuts coming out. And you know, like I know, you ain't been to church if something stepped on your toes. I used to go to a church when I was looking for a church to attend. My whole objective was to find a church where I felt comfortable in. You know, that's the worst, world, that's the worst thing in the world to try to find a church for. You don't want a church where you feel comfortable. You don't want a church where you could just sit there and smile all the time on your way to hell. I want a church that's going to challenge me. I want a church that's going to step on my toes. I want a church that's going to point that finger in my face and say, repent, turn your life around, get right with God. I want a pastor that's not afraid to tell me what's right. We live in a generation now is it's all about feeling good. And dime a dozen preachers <laughs> preach feel-good sermons. They get in that pulpit, man, and they put on a show for you. And the whole objective is to make you feel good and you keep coming back for more. Forget that. I want to go to heaven. Yes. Blessing or blisters. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. Yes. Amen. Listen. I'm here to preach you in or I'm going to preach you out. But one way or another, I'm going to preach what the Lord say to preach. It don't matter if you like it. I don't care if you don't clap your hands. This is war. This is war. This is war. This is a war. And Jesus said, many shall be deceived. Many shall be offended. Glory to God, and I see it happening everywhere I go, from church to church, especially through this crisis we call a pandemic. Where does it all come from? What's the purpose of it? People have many thoughts and many ideas, but I begin to look at the scripture, and I begin to question God. God, what is going on? This is not something that happened in, my, in our local city. This is not just something that happened in our country. This is something that happened all around the world. And I said, God, what is going on? And God let me know, I am God. And I change not. He sits high and he looks low and he knows everything that's going on. So they try to figure out the origin of it. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Somebody said it was in a lab in China. Somebody said it was some, some bat, something I don't care. I don't know, it's just a lot of stuff. But I looked to the scripture, and one verse shot out at me. What God said, if I would send a pestilence, you, if I would send pestilence, upon the earth if my people which are called by my name not just any people the Jesus name people if my people which are called by my name would seek my face hallelujah and pray then I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land I'm saying God something is going on and the Holy Ghost let me know God is trying to get the attention of his people not only his people he's trying to get the attention of the world because the world had gotten so arrogant, so stiff-necked, the world had gotten so rebellious. Yes. They thumbed their thumb, they thumbed their nose at God, turned their back on God, and then dare to change the truth of God into a lie. They start messing with God's stuff. Right. And when you start messing with God's stuff, you're going to get God's attention. They start looking at scriptures and saying that God don't mean that. And that's not for us today. And it don't matter if this happened. When God clearly speaks against it and the world was all for it. 
And it got to such a place, I believe God just said, hey, I'm going to have to let the world know I'm still here. And I'm still on the throne. And God sent this thing where he allowed it to happen. And he shut down the world's idols. He shut down the world's entertainment. He shut down all the things the world is concerned with. And God said, hey, world, look to me and be saved. But the world and its pride and arrogance was so full of self they still refused to look to God and the world said don't worry about it we can fix it we can fix it we depend on our doctors we depend on our scientists we depend on our means we depend on the arm of the flesh who needs God right. oh the world haven't learned because they still haven't turned to him right. and then God looked at the church you and me God looked at us and God is saying, look at here, church, we are so close to the sounding of the rapture that if the trumpet would sound, hardly any of you be ready. Why? Because the church began to worship the building more than the builder. The church got so caught up with image, how we look, how we sound, all, how, all this peripheral stuff. And God is saying, hold on a minute. What about me? I see your works. I see your efforts. But I've got something against you. You've lost your first love. You got so busy doing the work. You forgot my will. And church folks go to church, they worship, they pray, they sing, but they don't read their Bibles at home, they don't pray at home, they don't fast, they don't witness, they don't bring people to church. And God said, you need a shake-up. And so God allowed this thing to happen and we shut the church doors. He said, I'm not going to let you go in the building, you're going to have to pray at home now. I'm not going to let you go in the building, you're going to have to worship at home now. Amen. Get around in your living room with you and your children and pray for a change. And some people caught it and some still didn't. Because they started complaining. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. Well, what you want to do? I want to go back to where it was. God said, no. Well, I can't wait till we have church as usual. Ain't no more church as usual. Oh, I'll be glad when we get back to normal. There is no more normal. There is no more turning back. Come on. We are on the last leg of this thing. God is trying to shake us up. And God is saying, now, now is the time. Come on, don't keep playing. Don't keep waiting. Don't keep procrastinating. Now is the time. Make your mind up. As God is God, serve him. If the devil's going to be your God, serve him. But don't have one foot in church and one foot in the world. Don't be saying, Lord, let your will be done while you're doing your own. Amen. We are there now. And Jesus said, because of this, many are going to be offended. Many are going to be upset. And many shall be deceived. If there's ever a time we need to take the the horn of the altar and hold on to it. Amen. With a death grip it's now. If there's ever a time we need to check ourselves and Lord don't let me be outside of your will. Let my words, let my thoughts, let my actions God be what you want it to be. Because that's where we're at folks. And there's a lot of people not ready for the Lord even in church because some are so easily offended. Offense is everywhere. Because when you get emotion, when your whole relationship with God is built on how you feel, you can be easily offended. Amen. Now there is a spirit of offense that have just swept over the whole world and especially the United States. Because now we're living in a time where people are so offended, we don't have heroes anymore. There are no more heroes. I remember we used to have heroes. Thomas Jefferson. Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy. We had heroes, Martin Luther King. We had leaders at one time. Now, whoever has been a leader or aspired to be a leader have been purposely torn down. I mean, there have been, there have been the forces that their own purpose is to go and find as much filth and dirt on you as they can. 
and try to tear you down. And they've done it all over the political spectrum. We don't have any heroes anymore. All of our heroes have been tarnished by people whose only objective is to find offense. So much offense in the world, they start attacking things that really they shouldn't be attacking. Like, like for instance, uh, Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima, there's been a whole movement to get rid of Aunt Jemima. Why? Because somebody figured, I'm offended at this. Amen. They took Aunt Jemima and they, first before they tried to get rid of her totally, they changed her look. Took the rag off her head. Put a wig on. Dressed her up in modern clothes. Put earrings on her. But it still won't enough. Some people still offended. Well, let's get rid of her altogether. Next, they're coming after Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben next. Then you got this, this spirit out here they call a woke, where they just try to find everything wrong. I mean, they're looking at everything to find things to tear down. Who would believe they find fault with Dr. Zeus? Dr. Zeus has been around a long time. Children's books. Green ham and eggs, I think that's what they call it. I don't know. But they find, they, they, they find stuff. Somebody just say, I see something wrong with that cartoon. And then they want to tear it down because they get offended so easy. That's the spirit of offense. So offended, it took the name off a football team. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. People offended by every little, little, little thing. And I don't know who in the world would want to aspire to be a politician. Man, they look in your background, they go all the way back to your kindergarten trying to find stuff on you. That's how the world is that we live in. And you know what? That's the world. We don't need that in the church. We don't need that in the church. Somebody said, well, uh, this church here got a lot of hypocrites in it. At least the hypocrites in the church. Amen. People finding fault with everything and, and finding fault with this, finding fault with that. And then you got some folks that like to church hop. They don't backslide. They just change churches. And they bounce over here and bounce over there and bounce over here. And you wonder, what in the world you're doing? Well, I don't want to go to that church because that, that, they got something wrong with them. And I don't want to go. Well, what are you doing? You're trying to find a perfect church? Well, good luck. Hey, listen, as a matter of fact, if you do find the perfect church, don't you join it. <laughs> Amen. You will mess it up. <laughs> Amen. Many shall be offended. And that spirit come, and that spirit had infiltrated the church, and I saw a little small ripple of it, and then it developed into a wave to now I'm really concerned how it affects some people you wouldn't think it would get to. In the church, people find an offense. One of the things that I noticed over the last few years in the church is people find offense against the celebration of Christmas. Some of you already know. Some of you, some of you may feel that way. Man, we, we, why are you celebrating Christmas? Christmas is a pagan holiday. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I had a guy, man, he thought, oh, he thought he had a revelation because of somebody he saw on YouTube. You better be careful what you're looking at on YouTube. Well, Brother Easter, I got some information about Christmas. Pastor won't dare get up and preach it. I said, he ain't going to preach no lies. But oh, he was all bent out of shape. Oh, man, the Christmas tree and the little balls and this, that, that, and the Santa and the reindeer and all that. I said, hold up a second. Let me tell you some case you didn't know. We don't celebrate that stuff. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Why? Because an angel told us. He said, rejoice, rejoice, for the day is born in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate it. It's the greatest thing that happened on this earth. The devil is a liar. 
yeah, but he's all this pagan stuff. I said, let me tell you something. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't acknowledge anything pagan. No, man, I'm against everything pagan. I said, good. Don't shake my hand no more. Because the handshake is pagan. Oh, when you start digging into paganism, man, I tell you what, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. What's the day? Sunday, you old pagan. But that was the day that was regarded as worship of the sun. They call it the Sunday. Monday was the moon day. And on and on it goes. What month is this? That's pagan. Amen. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Hallelujah. We got to eat the world's food. We got to wear the world's clothes, but we are not of this world. Hallelujah. We don't need to get caught up in all of that distraction. My goodness. But it, it didn't stop at Christmas. It just started catching. It just started going. Next, it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? Yeah, man, ain't no sense in celebrating Thanksgiving. Do you know what really happened at Thanksgiving? Those colonists came over there and they slaughtered the Indians. And, and oh, man, it was just hard. And they looking for stuff, looking for stuff, looking for stuff. I said, well, you come too late to tell me I can't celebrate Thanksgiving because the Bible tells me to be thankful every day, every day, every day. Hallelujah. I want to live a life of Thanksgiving because he's worthy to be thanked. <clears throat> Amen. So when you go looking for stuff, you're sure to find something. Amen. Offense. Offense. And then people have found offense in the church with holiness. Holiness. Can you imagine Holy Ghost filled people being offended by the preaching of holiness? It's a subject you don't hardly hear about too much. Amen. Most churches have relegated to an end of the year seminar. What's wrong with preaching holiness? You might offend somebody. That's what we're here for. If you ain't living right, I'm going to offend you. If you're shacking up, I'm going to offend you. If you're smoking weed, I'm going to offend you. If you're a hypocrite, I'm going to offend you. I got a license from the United Pentecostal Church that says, offend them, offend them, offend them, offend them. You ought to be glad there's somebody that'll stand up and say, that's not right, that's not right. Everybody ain't a child of God, that is not right. And the thing that really, oh my goodness, sister, this, this, I never thought I'd see this happen in the United Pentecostal Church or any oneness church, but there's been a movement recently that people have found offense at the name of Jesus. And I've seen this happen with even some of our ministers. Pillars of the church, strong, steadfast, warriors, all of a sudden caught up in this new revelation. I ran across a couple of those jokers. Hey, Brother Easton. Did you know the name is not Jesus? I say, you better back up. But there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall. Oh, don't you come in here messing with the name. The name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my being. Praise God, there is no other name. The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Paul said, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. And the devil hates that name. Amen. Now he convinced some folks of a new revelation. Oh, Brother Easter, man, I've been reading some books. I said, was it the Bible? <laughs> I discovered that when Jesus walked the earth, they didn't call him Jesus. 
His disciples didn't call him Jesus. Why do you say that? Because back then in Jesus' day, the letter J didn't exist. And I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? No, I mean, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Sometimes things will pop out of my head. I don't know why I say stuff. I said, man, what, what, what do you mean? He said, the letter J didn't exist in those days. And I was, I was flabbergasted. I said, sure. He said, yeah. His name wasn't pronounced Jesus. His real name is Yahasha Masha Rusha something. And, and you know what? Their chest stick all out and they feel like they know something now. Now they've been studying Greek <laughs> and Hebrew and they know something now. I said, man, wow. Is that right? Yeah, man. The letter J didn't, wasn't even invented. And I looked it up. I looked it up. And you know what? It's true. There was no letter J back then. However, God is not a God of yesterdays. He's a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. And he's a God of forever. He told the prophet, he told the prophet in that day his name shall be one and there is only going to be one name I'm telling you God knew exactly what he was doing that's why we have this Bible that's why we have the King James because God knew that there was coming a time that people needed to understand the word the word the language in Jesus day the, the, the national language was Greek everybody spoke their, their language and everybody had to know some Greek to get along you had to know some Greek. Rome was in power. That was the language of the world. And everybody was, whatever their local language was, everybody had to be acquainted with some Greek if you're going to do business. But the Roman Empire don't exist no more. There's another empire in the world today whose influence is in every corner of the earth. And that's, believe it or not, the United States of America. This is the number one major world power in the whole wide world. And if you're going to do any kind of business in the world, no matter what nation, no matter what country, you need to know some English. Amen. And God knew that. That English was going to be the world language at the end time. So the name was transliterated from Hebrew to Greek to English to today and that name stands alone and it is already settled in heaven and it's a strong tower and the righteous can run in it and be safe and let me tell you that name is Jesus that name is Jesus that name is Jesus it don't matter what they called him back then his name is Jesus today hallelujah don't be deceived oh don't let the devil take that way from you hold on to that Hold on to one God. Hold on to holiness. Hold on, hallelujah, to getting the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Hold on to that. Hold on to living righteous. Hold on to the name of Jesus. Hold on to the great doctrines that God has given us. Hold on, church. This is not a time to compromise. This is not a time to let it go. Hold on. Because many, many shall be offended. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, is this, is this all right with everybody? Amen. Are you learning anything? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there are two types of being offended. One type is when a person is mistreated, lied on, talked about, cast it aside, really, honestly mistreated. That's one type of offense. The second type of offense is when a person imagines They've been mistreated. Ain't been mistreated at all. Just imagine it. Amen. And if you're walking around in your emotions, it's not easy for you to get, it's, it's easy for you to get offended. You all emotional sitting in church, all emotional, your feelings on your shoulders. The devil comes around, sit right next to you. 
could be sitting next to you right now. Don't look. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. That devil comes and sit right next to you, whisper in your ear, Psst, hey, look to your left. That girl talking about you. And you look, she got some nerve. Girl ain't said nothing about you. Just imagining your imagination caused you to be offended over nothing. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 19. I'm going to move quickly now. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 19. The Bible warns us as why it is so important that you protect yourself from being offended. Proverbs 18 and 19 says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, once you get offended, it's hard to change your mind. Being offended is a terrible thing to get caught up in. Amen. The next verse is in the Psalms, the 55th chapter. Psalm 55, beginning at verse number 12. David knew what it was to be offended. He felt that way. In Psalm 55, starting at verse 12, David said, It was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that didn't magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, it was you, a man of my own equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, walked into the house of God together. It was you that cut me. And you know the things, the, the, the thing that makes it hurt so bad. See, if somebody don't like you and they say something bad about you, they don't bother you as much. But when somebody you really care about say something about you, that hurts really deep. And the spirit of fence actually comes for one purpose, and that is to separate relationships and to bring division into the house of the Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul said we need to work so hard to not be offended. I'm going to move through these very quickly. You don't have to turn to the scriptures, but I'm going to go to Mark chapter 6. Verse number one through five. Oh my goodness. Yeah, let's go there. That's a good one. Mark chapter six, starting at verse number one. Jesus went home. He went out from thence. He came into his own country and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath day he came. He began to preach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished. From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? He is awesome. But then there was others that said, is not this the carpenter? <laughs> Isn't this the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Offended at him. Just because they knew him when. Amen. And you get up in the middle of a red hot worship service and start twirling around like you're a human helicopter. And you're going to have people look at you like, you done lost your mind. Why are you up there running around dancing and shouting like that? I know you. I remember when you used to go to the club. I remember when you used to do that. And you got people that will be offended at you because you get a little more spiritual than them. Oh, my, my goodness. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And because of this, he could do no mighty works. Being offended will hinder you from a miracle. It can hinder you from a miracle. Speaking of that, let's go to one more verse. Matthew 15. This is one of my favorites. Boy, I look at this one and I say, Lord, let me be like this person here. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 22 Still talking about not being offended. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. She cried unto him, cried unto Jesus. A woman of Canaan. She was not a child of God. She was a Canaanite. She was from the outside. She came to Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She added that in. She said, I know who you are. My daughter is vexedly grieved, and she has a devil. But Jesus answered her not a word, didn't say a word to her. His disciples came and saw them saying, send her away. She's crying after us. But Jesus said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And that's, that's, that's hard to take right there. You got a problem. You got a situation that only God can meet. And you made your way to where he is. And when you see him, you let him know, I know who you are. I know who you are. You're just not a regular man. You're the Messiah. You're the son of David. And she said, Lord, 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 have mercy, have mercy. And Jesus totally ignored her. Boy, if that was some of y'all, he got some nerve. Who he think he <laughs> I know he heard me. But not only that, she didn't give up. She ran after the disciples. And the disciples said, she's coming after us. Send her away. Send her away. But she would not give up. And then when Jesus did open his mouth and speak, it wasn't what she wanted to hear. I'm not here for you people. Excuse me? I'm not here for you. I'm only for the lost sheep of Israel. It's not good to give the meat from the master's table to a dog. Oh, that's it. That is it. You call me a dog? Call me a dog. What kind of church is this? She didn't give up. She didn't let herself get offended. And then she said, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs <laughs> that fall from the master's table. I'm not going to let nobody offend me. I'm not letting nobody get in my way. I need an answer. I need a miracle. I need salvation. You can do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Look at me how you want to look at me. But I've got to get an answer from God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be offended. Praise God. And scripture after scripture, example after example, Naaman and going down to the river, the, the man of God told him you could be healed if you jump in the river, and he thought he was too good for that. I don't want to jump in no river. There's other rivers I could go to. I got to jump in this muddy Jordan River. But he got offended. And one of his servants said, Master, please, you come this far. Don't be offended, sir. He jumped in the water and got his miracle. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, these times are not normal times. The war we're fighting in is intensifying. It's getting worse and worse. And the battle is getting fiercer and fiercer. And only those that are armed and ready to fight are going to make it through this. Crybabies ain't going to make it. Complainers ain't going to make it. Fault finders not going to make it. People that rebel against authority, not going to make it. Amen. My goal is, I got to make it at all costs. God, whatever I have to do, I'm going to make it to the kingdom. Can you say amen? amen? Let's all stand together. Oh, Lord. I got one more, one more scripture for you in, in closing from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. It's an admonition for you, my brothers and my sisters. It's the word of God for you tonight. From this day forward. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 14, just two verses. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace. Don't follow protests. Follow peace. Don't follow CNN or Fox. Don't follow the liberals. Or the conservatives, follow peace with all men. And not only peace, but holiness. Holiness. Without which, no man shall see the Lord. So there's two things God has given us assignment. Peace. If there's someone in this sanctuary that there's a schism, there's, there's something there that's not right. It might have been there for years. Maybe they did you wrong. And maybe, just maybe, they owe you an apology. The Bible says, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So he owe you an apology. You know what? Let it go. Just let it go. He don't need to apologize. Let it go. He said, Brother Easter, but you don't know what he done. All I know is what Jesus did. 
and he did it for the worst of sinners. And if you don't have it in yourself to go to somebody and say, look, I'm sorry, forgive me, I love you. And sometimes it can be difficult to do that. And I know people like that in my life, but what I've done, I just, I look at them and I say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I forgive them. I still hurt and what they did was wrong, but in the name of Jesus, I forgive them. And in the name of Jesus, I love them. Because it's hard loving them in my flesh. But Lord, I can love them through you. And you know what will happen? God will move on your heart and all that pain will start evaporating. And all that animosity will start moving out of your system. And the love of God will flood you. And you begin to see your enemy as your friend. And you can love the way God wants you to love. Church, that's how God wants us to be in this hour. He wants you to love each other. He wants you to live holy. He wants you to come to church armed. He wants you in the fight. Don't stand on the sidelines. He wants you to be a part of what's going on. Let's bow our heads together, Lord God. I just tried to do what you told me to do tonight. To warn your children. The hour is late. The battle is getting more intense. It's got to start tonight. Lord, you are calling each and every one of us to a deeper walk with you. You're calling us tonight to a sincere walk with you to lay aside our feelings and lay aside all the handicaps and the sin that so easily beset us. And we come to you humble. We come to you broken. We come to you like clay in the master's hand. And anything that's not right inside of me, God, take it out. I don't want to stay like this. I'm tired of being like this. Tonight, Lord, I'm making a new consecration. Tonight, Lord, I'm making a new start. I want to be in your perfect will. Nothing else will matter. Nothing else will satisfy. It's got to be your will, not mine. Help me, Lord God, to quit resisting you. Help me to stop doing what I want to do. And now I'm going to do what you want me to do. Tonight. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. You are for me and you're not against me. I love you, Lord Jesus. I need to do more than what I'm doing. I need to be more than what I am. And tonight, God, no offense. I love you. I want to serve you. I want to give my whole life to you. Listen, if that's how you feel tonight, my brother, I want to invite you to join me at the front of the church. Sister, if that's how you feel tonight, I need to give more to God, more of my mind. I need to read my Bible more. I can't stay like I am. I can't. I can't. I can't. I feel the Spirit calling me. I can't stay like this. It's a war. And I've got to be saved. Father, forgive me. I've been so lazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, I've been distracted. So many things trying to get my attention. And I've not given you enough time. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I can't do it by myself. I need your spirit. I need your help. I confess, Lord, I've done some things that's not right. Forgive me, Master. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I spent too much time on things that don't matter. I've not spent enough time with you. God, I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want to believe in you. Here I am. Come on, come on, come on. Get in closer. Jesus. you worry about who's beside you don't worry about who's beside you this is just you and the Lord right now this is just you and the Lord 
is here right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. sorry help me to worship you like you want to be worshipped help me to pray the way you want me to pray teach me show me guide me challenge me save me save me you need to pray like your salvation depends on it come on this is warfare this is warfare warfare Jesus is all or nothing I gotta give you all or nothing the hour demands I can't be offended I don't want to be deceived I don't want to be lost I don't want to go to hell save me keep me strengthen me Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.